Hello and welcome to another episode of Latinidad in the Lou. Uh, my name is Miguel Rincan and with me today we have Katie Heaton. She is the Assistant Director at the Mississippi Valley Library District and the Chairman of the Latino Roundtable of Southwestern Illinois. Hi Katie, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me today. Yeah, no problem. We, we'd love to have you. Uh, just for people who don't know much about who you are, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Okay, so uh, you already know I work at the library. I've been working at the library since 1997, so that's a long time. Uh, actually, um, I've married and raised four children, and I became a librarian because I applied for a clerk job, thinking that I would just be filing and typing and answering phones, and uh, was uh, actually uh, excited about the fact that I learned about library science and then ended up going back to college to get some uh, college uh, credits for librarianship, and then I stuck with that the rest of my professional life. Yeah, that's it's a it's a it's a different turn, like you know, especially because you said that you, that's not what you want, what you what you oh. thought you were gonna be doing. I thought I was gonna be a secretary all my life, <laughs> so yeah. So librarian was like, oh uh, yeah, that's a step up. I, yeah. I really enjoy the work. Well, that's yeah. good. I'm I'm glad. Um, I was going through like the Mississippi Valley Library District website and stuff. Uh, I, th I see that there's like a youth program that you guys have. Can you tell me a, a little bit more about that? So we do have uh, like a, the, are you talking about the teen program? Yeah. So we have a teen program that's for like fifth grade through 12th graders. And we do a lot of technology with that age group mm -hmm. only because our, the group, the youth that we work with typically weren't exposed to technology. Mm -hmm. Like when we first started working with the youth in Fremont City, Illinois, they were about 10 years behind in technology. So we started applying for this grant called the Project Next Generation Grant. It's a state grant, mm -hmm. and it gave us a lot of money to do a lot of really cool current technologies, and we really focus on that with our youth. Okay, okay. And uh, like, well, this is the Latina in the Lou, right? So it's a Hispanic, Latino, uh, uh, like, podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, can you... Tell us a little bit, have you had like contact with the Hispanic Latino community? Like I know you, you do like a round table, so tell us a little bit about that. So actually for me, my journey with um, Fairmont City, Illinois, which is 80% Hispanic, mm -hmm. mostly out of Mexico, all the, or the immigrant families. Okay. But actually it's my journey with this uh, began really in 2000 when I was working on a diversity grant for the library to bring in multicultural programming to the library and I wanted to make sure I was fully reaching all the demographics we have within our school district. So I went to College of Unit 10 and said, hey, where's the minority groups and what minorities do we have? Mm -hmm. And I found out that we had this pocket of Hispanics that I actually didn't know actually existed mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So it was Creighton Elementary School and I went down and visited with them and talked with them and said, where do all these families you know, live? And I found this community called Fairmont City, Illinois, that I may have heard of before, but I guess I never paid much attention mm -hmm. to. And uh, they didn't have any schools there, no public schools, but they did have a parochial school at Holy Rosary Church. And so I went over there and introduced myself to the principal of their school. And that was my first uh, introduction to the families in Fairmont City. And from that introduction at Holy Rosary, we were invited to bring the library down and do like a summer library on, on their grounds in 2008. And um, from that, we ended up moving to the local American Legion Hall and renting a small hall for there, bringing library services to Fairmont City because they didn't, they needed more resources. They didn't have resources. So we did that and then eventually buying the building in like 2010 and been working with the Hispanic families in Fairmont City ever since then. So I've been working with the Latino Roundtable for probably 10 years, maybe 12 years now. 
I'm going to say around 2010, I probably started working with the um, Latino Roundtable Southwestern Illinois. They've been around since 1992, I'm going to say, 1990s for sure. Okay. It's a networking group that works with Hispanic families. And so I have a lot of exposure working with my families in Fairmont City, and I have a lot of exposure working with a lot of agencies that also service the Hispanic community. Okay, yeah, it's 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 funny, like you say, because you just told me you just went to see the the principal mm -hmm. to introduce yourself, and that just that just took you to a different path, and now you're like helping the Latino community and mm -hmm. stuff like that. What what kind of things what kind of things do you guys do to improve uh, the community, the Latino community? That's a really good question, actually. <laughs> Thank there's, you. There's some really cute stories with that one. So when, when our library district first reached out to Fairmont City, Illinois, and said, we would like to bring library services and resources to your community, the response was, we don't need a library. You will just raise our taxes. And I thought, oh my gosh, a library could do so much for your community. And so then it was all about selling the reason to have a library in your community. And so when we did move into the community, obviously because the community was welcoming us, and it was really a lot for me to make sure I was proving the need for the community because I was offering resources to this mm -hmm. community that didn't have it. And so I just started saying, you know, oh, libraries have books and libraries have reference questions and libraries offer forms and we, we can do free Wi-Fi and we have public use computers. And it felt like all the rhetoric that librarians usually say about all the things you can do at a library mm -hmm just wasn't sinking in with this community. And so I thought, how can I get this library services across to the families that live here and get them started using the library? So I finally came up with the, it was sort of like a challenge. It was like, if you have a question and you don't know the answer to it, come ask me. And if I don't know the answer, I'll find the answer for you. And so I, I literally had no idea what questions were gonna walk through the door. Yeah. But I thought, I'm ready. Let's, let's go, let's, let's do this. And so then people started working through the door and asking questions. So I had, you know, I had a, uh, a guy walk through the door and he's like, hey, I need to change the brakes on my car. Can you help me with that? And I was like, well, there's books for that. And there's, you know, everyone knows YouTube, which is do-it-yourselfers, you know, use a lot of YouTube. Yeah. And got him his reference, all, all his, I showed him all the stuff we had or could get for him, printed out some stuff for him as well. And that guy left with the ability to change the brakes on his car. So I'm like, okay, that was a really cool question. Yeah. And we got him a really cool answer. Yeah. So I had a mom walk in and um, she's like, hey, I've paid uh, my water bill and my water's been turned off. And I've got three children at home and I'm a Spanish speaker. And when I call their helpline, they only have an English speaker, but I need my water turned on. And of course, um, at the library, we had Spanish speakers. So we had our speakers call their line and translate for the family and found out that she didn't quite understand her bill, so there was some other fees she hadn't paid. Okay. So we walked her through <clears throat> that and sure enough got her water turned back on and thought, okay, hey, we're doing really well. And then I had this young dad walk in and I'll never forget his face. I don't remember his name anymore, but I remember him walking in and his question was, I have this animal in my yard and I don't know what it is. And I'm thinking, okay. This is cool. He yeah. goes, well, more importantly, I want to know if I can eat it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so let's see what you got. So I was like, what does it look like? And so he started describing it, you know, small, furry, brown. And I'm like, okay, you know. So it ended up being a groundhog. Huh. And so then I'm like, you know, here's a picture of a groundhog. Is this it? And he's like, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, okay, give me just a minute. And so then I Googled recipes for groundhog. And sure enough, 
there's recipes for how to prepare groundhog. Is there really? Yeah, there really is. And so then um, I don't know if he ate the groundhog, but I do know he left the library with the answer <laughs> to his question, yeah. which was exactly why I, I put that out there as a yeah. challenge. And so yeah. then the question started rolling into the library. Okay. And then the community started seeing, oh, there's a reason for a library. Yeah. And our journey began. That's that's very interesting because like when you like again I go back to the same thing you started from like something that you didn't you didn't think it was gonna take you the path it took you and mm -hmm. and and it did like that's that's usually how how life works but that's that's very good because I feel like obviously what you what you've been saying like a library it's it's super important in a community like there's a lot of people that like reading I actually know a friend who rents books from the library all the time because he, he can't afford to go to Barnes and Nobles and just go and buy a $40 brand new book. Right. Right. right? You go to the library and, and you rent it for free or for a fee, a very small fee. And yeah, no, libraries are, are very important. And uh, going back to the Latino community and all that, um, how did you hear from us from the Chamber of Commerce? Well, I do want to follow up though with the comment okay. you just made. Yeah, go ahead. You made me think of something else Absolutely. that I thought was very relevant because when you're talking about the importance of libraries, yeah, and so then you think about why were libraries invented? Well, it was a way for people to gain knowledge. All people, all people mm -hmm. gain knowledge, not yeah. just a select group of people, but all people to gain knowledge. And so then when you talk about what is a library good for, and I had to put out that challenge: come ask me a question, I'll find you an answer. So then, I, I can't remember the exact timing, but I felt like it was like a couple of years mm -hmm. of me working with that community where remember that first sentence was, we don't need a library, you'll just raise our taxes. Yeah. To the, the comment became, we didn't know we needed the library until we got one. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're doing good. So yeah. people talk about, you know, how do you provide services at the library? Well, you want to be able to answer questions. You want people to be able to come and gain knowledge. Yeah. And so then we do a lot of work with people gaining knowledge. So to get to your question about how did that tie into the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce? Well, if I work in a community that's 80% Hispanic, I'm going to have some entrepreneurs they're Hispanic. And so then Fairmont City doesn't have a Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Uh, there isn't a Chamber of Commerce that services our area, but there is a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in St. Louis. And when yeah. I reached out to you guys and said, do you cover my area? Because guess what? There's Hispanics on the side of the river as well. Uh, the Hispanic Chamber said, we would not turn them away. Yeah. So I started working with Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for my entrepreneurs that were Hispanic in Fairmont City so that they could have more information about how to become a business owner and network more with like-minded people to be more successful mm -hmm. in the area. And and by the way, by the way, I just want to say that I've invited the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to have like in Fairmont City chamber meetings to have like meet and greets with the local entrepreneurs. So if you guys ever decide to do that, I would definitely be open-minded for okay, that. Okay, yeah, no, we can definitely take that into consideration. <laughs> Sometimes we have uh, our different our different events. We try to do some some in St. Louis, some in Illinois, because you know we have members also that live in Illinois. So trying to make it fair. Actually, our last business after hours was in Illinois. Um, but yeah, no, that that would be. That would be a great, a, a great, a great idea. Maybe we can get, we, maybe we can make that happen. There you go. Um, so you said that that you, boy, like we mentioned, you're you're the chairman of the Latino Roundtable. We've got a little bit into into what it is and all that stuff. But I've I've heard a lot of people telling me like I don't idea what roundtable is. Like I don't know what a, what what a roundtable discussion is. And and not until recently I I'm not gonna lie, I I didn't know either. Oh that's good. Okay. <laughs> so for people who don't know, 
what what is it so so i'm the current chairman of the latino roundtable of southwestern illinois and we are a group of agencies that provide services to the hispanic community okay. and we network in our um, latino roundtable group to share resources or to join forces for activities and stuff that we might do to reach out to the hispanic community for instance we're working on our um, june health fair hispanic it's like hispanic festival health fair and we're going to have like the food bank there to, to give people food okay. and we're going to have health providers there to answer questions about how can you get health care and, um, and you know covid shots things like that it'll be like a drive-through event and so then we bring the agencies together like the ones that are going to do the food bank and the ones that are going to do the shots and the ones that are going to ask the clinic questions you know so maybe there'll be educators there be asking answering questions about that so we just bring all these agencies together and do events or attend events where we're reaching out to the hispanic community myself as a library obviously i host a lot of these events at the fairmont city library okay. center because it's a really good hub for hispanic services and um, that's that's kind of what we do okay so from what i understand if there's a if there's like a hispanic business or something that needs uh, or 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 a community that, that needs something like you guys like you 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 just mentioned a clinic you guys do make you guys make that possible for them like if you see like hey maybe this area they really require a clinic because they don't have the money to go to a to a doctor or or, or something like is that something that you guys do so we do a lot of referrals okay so we're currently working on our directory again it hasn't been updated since before COVID-19 okay so that when someone walks into the library and asks those kind of questions I can pull out my resource book and say I have this Latina roundtable agency that does that kind of service that you're looking for and I can do referrals for them okay so then we do have a clinic in Fairmont City for example and mm -hmm. I can refer people to that clinic as well but if I get a Hispanic family that's outside Fairmont City then I usually have to work through the networks of the Latina roundtable mm -hmm agencies and say hey who's got services in this town oh okay. uh, we do kind of look at our all of our agencies together collectively we provide services to like seven counties in southwestern illinois it's the reach of the agencies that are in our group that we look at we do have agencies on the missouri side of the river as well by the mm -hmm. way uh, but they're trying to reach clients on the illinois side of the river okay so we'll look at uh like uh you know clinton county as well has a high population of hispanics as well and then you have a lot of farming in the Illinois side, and so you have a lot of migrant farm workers as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll answer questions about literacy, maybe ESL classes, you know, to help on English skills. Uh, a lot of teaching about financial literacy, helping them to understand the importance of banking. A lot of our families have low or no credit scores, so doing a lot of education about how to get a credit score, how to start a bank account, how not to cash your paycheck at the local grocery store, how not to put cash in your pocket, but get those debit cards mm -hmm. and then build those credit histories as well. And you can do that if you don't even have a social security number, you can just apply for your ITINs. And so we do a lot of education along all of those. So it, okay. it kind of just depends on what question walks through the door, but that usually the answer lies within the agencies of the Latino Roundtable. Okay. Okay. I, I just heard you mention ESL because I had a, I know a lot of people that, that are like want to learn English and they don't know how to where to go or how to even start. Uh, 
what 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 can you tell them? Like, how how do they reach you if they live in that area and they want to learn English? Like, how how do they reach you? What do they do? So the classes are free. Oh, that's, that's even better. Free. Yes. Good to say that. <laughs> so the classes are free. You have to live in the state of Illinois, and we're serviced okay. in my area by Southwestern Illinois College, and we actually host the English classes at my library center in Fairmont City, Illinois. Uh, they just finished, the, they'll be breaking for the summer now, but their classes will be back in the fall. Okay. I have lots of room in the daytime class. The evening classes usually do fill up because uh, these are pretty popular classes, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we have multiple levels, beginners, intermediate, and advanced levels that all meet at the Fairmont City Library Center. Again, and that's all free. You can check out Southwestern Illinois College Adult Education Department and get update information, or you can stop by the library. I have flyers. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that, that's great. You know, you, you can go... Uh, you can go learn English, maybe get a book right after that because it's in the library. So That's right. And That's by the way, I'm a bilingual library, my uh, my staff. When I first started working with go. the community, it was I had a philosophy. And, of course, I still have this philosophy. But it was commit to the community, hire from the community, and speak their language. And so then we hire from the Hispanic community, and my front staff is usually bilingual. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, they have to go on lunch and some and take vacations and stuff, but we try to keep staff bilingual. Okay. And so then my collection is also bilingual. My signage is bilingual. My collection is bilingual. And I've been told by many people who visit my library that I have the largest Hispanic book collection for adults and children in the area. Oh, that's so awesome. It just took us years to get to that because it's not always easy to find good quality books in yeah. the Spanish language as well. I get a lot of people who request authors that were written, they write their books in Spanish and not a translation. Uh, of course, there are some popular authors that we do have translations in Spanish as well, like Harry Potter would be a great example. Yeah. I still get a lot of uh, Spanish speakers who want to read Harry Potter, yeah. uh, but they also want to see their favorite authors from out of Mexico as well. Mm -hmm, I remember mm -hmm. one time I literally ordered some books out of Mexico, and it arrived in a, a brown box tied with a rope. And I was like, what? <laughs> but they were authentic Hispanic books ordered from Mexico. That was probably the funniest shipment I've ever got. And when I was building my Hispanic collection, uh, but I order a lot of our Hispanic books from um, online now, and I get mm -hmm. a lot of people who donate Hispanic language books, Spanish language books to the library as well. I recently got a large donation of Spanish books, and so we're processing now as we speak. So yes, if you love to read Spanish, and I always advocate for that, even with my children in the community mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I tell them they should remain bilingual. They should cherish their the mother tongue. Definitely. And so they should be able to read, write, and speak the language. Yeah. So I get a lot of people who can only speak the language but can't read and write mm -hmm. the, their mother tongue. And so I advocate doing all three and staying completely fully bilingual because it makes you more valuable within the workforce. And so therefore I offer the books uh, in both languages at our library. Yeah, that, I mean, honestly, that's one of the ways I, I learned how to speak English, just by reading. Mm -hmm. By reading, I would read in Spanish, and then I would read in English, and I would try to figure it out. So, yeah, no, reading, it's a, it's a great way to, to learn a, a, a different language or even to improve your mother, your mother tongue, like you said. Um, I also saw on your website and on your things that you guys give scholarships out, too, mm -hmm. right? How, how do you guys do that? So you're speaking about the Latino Roundtable. Just I am. To be clear. Yeah, so sorry. The, I am. The Latino Roundtable does give scholarships every year. And so then as we do events during the year, you know, we may charge agency fees to set up a booth. Um, the Mexican consulate's going to be coming in July. Okay. And so then we usually give a, a, a bag full of information to each of the people who come for their appointments. And so then we charge our agencies 
you know a fee to put money with inside mm-hmm. that packet okay. and so then so we're earning some money throughout the year with the different things that we do and then so then we offer college scholarships and so we always give at least one $500 scholarship mm-hmm. to a Hispanic youth that's uh, entering college or trying to stay in college mm-hmm. and sometimes we give more based on what we might earn that year or mm-hmm. if we get a co-sponsor to help sponsor the scholarships we give more uh, one year we gave like three $500 scholarships. You know, That's another awesome. time we had enough sponsors that we gave two $1,000 scholarships. It just depends on how many people we get to play yeah. ball with us. But the most important thing is that we're trying to advocate for these first generation college students. Mm-hmm. And so then usually we request that they have at least one parent that's Hispanic, but okay. we do ask them, or one grandparent that's Hispanic actually, and we do ask them like, you know, how many people are in your family? What's your gross income for the family? How many people are in your family? So we know how many you know children they might be in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we ask them what college they want to go to, what they want to be when they grow up kind of thing. And then we vote on who we want to give the scholarship to. And so mm-hmm. this year we had another handful of people actually apply, and we just recently awarded our $500 scholarship to the winner this year. Nice. Um, so how do you how do you decide? Is it, is it more of like you just look at well, like what you just mentioned, or do you also look at academic? Like how, how, how can a student apply for it? How, how does that work? So we usually put out the applications every year in January. Okay. And we usually share that with the local schools because we know the kids are going to be graduating, you know, in May. And we want to be able to award the scholarship usually in April, Mm -hmm. you know, usually March or April. Um, Typically, we'll do it at Easter time, but it depends on when Easter actually falls. And (coughs) if the person or persons who receive the scholarship are available during that event, we could do it on another. Like this year, we did it for our Earth Day event. But... um, Typically, we do it at, at Easter so that we can okay. do it in front of the community so they can see that another youth is getting ready to go to college yeah. and because, um, and, and, and to finish answering your question. So we typically, when we vote, we vote with the Latino Roundtable. So mm-hmm. who's ever at that meeting that we're voting at, typically, again, if we award it in April, it's going to be at the March meeting. And a lot of people like myself, too, will look at the income level mm-hmm. of the family We'll look at the, um, and I do look and see, you know, you can see what their GPA is, they do list that, but the income level, how many people are in their family and if they're first generation college. And there are some other things that they see on the application that we all can look at, because everyone can look at the whole application. But I know typically people kind of focus on those, because if you have a family of seven living on 30,000 a year, and that child, that youth wants to go to college, you really want that youth to go to college to help them in, in the family as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, how can how can someone become a part of the Latino Roundtable? So again, the Latino Roundtable is usually you know agencies and representatives of those agencies, but we do allow for local advocates who want to also reach out to the community. I, I have to admit that once we were approached by a used car salesman who just wanted to sell cars, and we were like, not exactly what we're looking for, <laughs> but, you know, um, so that kind of thing. So I don't want someone to use our whole group to become a salesman to the whole group. Yeah. Uh, but we definitely, you know, we, we join forces so that we can provide services, and a lot of times we're free to the Hispanic community. And so then if you're in that same wheelhouse of your goals, you probably would match up well with the Latino Roundtable. Okay, okay. Well, that's great. Uh, do you want to put, you want to say your uh, contact information and stuff for like people to follow up if they want to join the Latino Roundtable or even help with scholarships and thing, things like that? Yeah, so the Latino Roundtable is easy enough to reach. Um, you can actually call me at the library, and that's the Fairmont City Library Center in Fairmont City, Illinois at 618-482-3966 or... 
you can email the Latino Roundtable at the Roundtable at gmail.com. Perfect. And we'll, and we'll reply to you. Perfect. Then we'll we'll be putting it down here so people people know what uh how to contact you and stuff. Well it's been it's been great, Katie. Thank you so much for being with us today. I think well I, I know I learned a lot a lot about <laughs> what a round table is. I honestly wasn't pretty, wasn't sure. It's always been one of those things where like I I've heard about it and I kind of know, but I wasn't sure. But thank you yeah. for uh, clarifying this for me, and I know our our viewers are gonna are gonna enjoy it too. So thank you for so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it as well. Well, this is Miguel Rincan, and this is the end of Latinidad in Tulu. Uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. <laughs>